Hello and welcome to the In the Ring Pedigree Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatal, back with you from the Airport Hotel in Toronto, up here for the Woodbine Million. Some of you tuning into the show might be wondering about uh, the big breaking news story from yesterday involving the New York Times and Justify. I'll tell you right off the bat, we're not talking about that here. This is a show focusing on the Keeneland sale. If you are interested in my thoughts and Jonathan Kinchin's thoughts on that matter, I refer you to show number 75 of the In the Money Players podcast. You can check that out there. And in the coming uh, weeks, I'm sure there'll be more to report and talk about on that front as news comes in. But again, this is all about the Keeneland sale, and we've got a couple of guests we're going to bring in to keep you up to date on everything that's been going on down in Lexington. And it starts off with a returning guest to the show. Welcome back to the In The Money Media Airwaves, TVG's Gabby Gaudette. Gabby, how are you doing today? Hi, Pete. I'm doing really well. I uh, just got through book one of the Keelan September sale, which was crazy in a very good way. So uh, a little fatigued from that, but it's been an exciting couple of days. So you've been down there for TVG covering the sale. Give us a bit of a rundown on what your responsibilities have been. I mean, are you looking at horses as if you were a buyer or seller, talking to people? Where, where does most of your stuff lie? So my duties pretty much started last Friday, just going out to the different consignments and taking a look at some of the different yearlings, talking to the consigners, talking to the buyers, talking to really everyone just to get an understanding of who might sell for what and some of the super superstars in each consignment. Um, and then we've just been kind of covering them as they go in and out of the ring and keeping our eye out for you know, potential sales toppers and just interesting pedigrees and, um, you know, horses that have been really showing well over the course of the last couple of days. Um, and just trying to paint a picture of what the Keeneland September sale is like. And it was crazy yesterday because it was, you know, session three. We already had millions of dollars go in and out of the ring um, in, in session one and session two. And we started things off with a $1.3 million horse. And then it just kept on going from there so um yeah it's just you know try to paint a picture and try to um people who aren't fortunate enough to get out to the sale just try to um you know give them the paint a picture of what it's like to be there you've done a great job giving us the the lowdown and painting that very picture i think one of the places we have to begin is with this 8.2 million dollar yearling was this a story you were anticipating to happen did it come as a surprise and what can you tell us about this purchase tvg has actually been following this philly since she was born um we were out at the farm just a couple of days after she was born and then over this past summer too we went out to the farm um in july and was taking a look at her as she was starting to begin her sales prep and what's amazing about this farm this consignment this filly herself i mean it is just a family affair you can't find harder working people than the folks at clarkland farm and freddie mitchell um you know he has done so much for the industry and, and just with this mayor too. They bought Leslie's Lady back in 2006. And so they've had her, I believe she's 23 now. And obviously she has just been such a producer. She's produced Into Mischief, Mendelssohn, Beholder, and now this Philly too. Um, 
and going talking to Freddie, you know, going into the sales pavilion, um, I don't know where their expectations were. I think they might have been around the four million dollar mark, and I was standing right next to him as the number continued to grow. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, when she was in the ring, it was, and obviously they were just so emotional. So the fact that she happened to sell for eight point two million, least, so it's it's a lot of hard work. It's a, it's a small consignment, and this marriage just has meant everything to them. Um, one quick funny thing: I was talking to um, Freddie Mitchell and Marty Buckner. And when I was out at Clarkland Farm in July, and they sold Mendelssohn for $3 million. And during that September sale, he was a sales topper. And they said, you know, with that, that bought us a new tractor. That bought us paint <laughs> to paint the fences, you know. Um, so it really is a family affair. And it was just amazing to see it happen to such good people. That is great to hear. What about on the other side of this purchase? It's always fascinating to hear. I mean, obviously, the plans are that the sky is the limit and you're getting this horse who's apparently an amazing physical specimen out of the broodmare of the year. You can only imagine what the expectations are. But, but what can you tell us about the reaction from the buying camp? So there was a little bit of a bidding war. When I say a little bit, a lot of bit of a bidding <laughs> war uh, between <laughs> Mandy Pope and uh, I think it was Shake Mo in the back. And um, I talked to Mandy Pope as soon as she bought the filly, and she's like, "I was not leaving this sale without her. I came here for this one horse, and I was not leaving without her." Um, so the gavel dropped at 8.2 million. She got her, and you know, Mandy Pope, she's got the best brood mares in the industry. And ultimately, that is the plan. But she plans on racing her. She really said that she's trying to, you know, shift gears a little bit to uh, have a little bit more success in the racing world, not just, you know, in the breeding world. She wants to buy horses that would take her to the Breeders' Cup. Um, and I think that's really her main focus is just to get a Breeders' Cup type of horse. Um, so hopefully she gets that with this filly. But uh, she was very excited. And, uh, you know, that's the wonderful thing about Phillies, too, is just the residual value that they will hold. Um, So that was kind of the plan with uh, Mandy Pope buying her. But it was definitely it was a crazy atmosphere when it was all going on. Yeah, I would imagine it really becomes like a sporting event at that point with jaws dropping and people waiting to see what happens next. Was it that kind of thing with palpable tension in the room? For sure, because uh, I was positioned near the Clarkland Farm uh, family, and so I wasn't anywhere near the buyers, but immediately after she went through the ring, I was trying to find uh, Mandy, and there was just a sea of people <laughs> around her trying to get information and quotes, but uh, yeah, you just knew that she was really into it, and she was not leaving uh, the Keeneland sales ground without that filly in hand. Amazing. There's been several million-dollar babies, as you mentioned. Another one that got a lot of attention was from the pre- was it the previous day? Yeah. So overall, so far in book one, there have been 20 yearlings to sell for over a million dollars, which is absolutely incredible. Um, but session two, uh, we saw a 4.1 uh, curlin out of bounding. So that was bred and raised by Stone Street and Eaton Sales consigned the 4.1 Curlin. Um, Sheikh Mohammed did wind up purchasing that one. And then we also saw a $2.9 million warfront out of Believe You Can, the Oaks winner for Airdrie. 
Um, and there was a lot of buzz circulating this horse, too. I was talking to Brett Jones and also um, Ben Henley, who was with Airdrie as well, and they said they showed this colt maybe over 200 times. <laughs> they said that this was the best-looking horse they've had and and a good mind as well um they've had maybe ever so the expectations were high with the 2.9 warfront but uh the 4.1 million dollar curlin out of bounding to me came as a little bit of a surprise but um it it still was you know it was amazing and then we saw yesterday guarana the half brother to um guarana go for $2.1 million to um, Mike Ryan uh, buying on behalf of E5 Racing. So, I mean, just in that, those couple of sentences alone, I mean, the pedigrees that have been showcased so far in book one have been tremendous. It's interesting when you think about the market dynamic and there's a certain amount that so many people will pay uh, because it's just obviously well within the scope of what's reasonable to expect. But there's that idea that it, really only takes two to make a bidding war and push up into some of these outlier numbers. Do you have any more information about the, the bidding war you said that surprised you a little on the, the four million, how that developed from a skirmish into a, uh, a, a full-on uh, head-to-head battle in the ring? I can't remember who the underbidder was, but it did go to Sheikh Mohammed. And, you know, when he's around in, in, the, in the back of the sales pavilion, you know, uh, that price is going to probably go up pretty quickly and pretty significantly. Uh, so it was just kind of, I, I was standing close to Sheikh Mo when this was happening. I'm just wondering where, when this number was, you know, going to max out. Um, but it, it is, it's, it's crazy. Everybody just has their different strategies where they stand, how they, how they bid. Um, they go in with a strategy, you know, uh, what's the, the top number that they can get to. Um, but yeah, I'm not quite sure who, I can't remember off the top of my head who the underbidder was, but it's always insane when, when you get to 1.2 million or 1.5 million and you see that number is just not slowing down, <laughs> you kind of look around the room and everybody's jaws are dropping, their eyes are widening uh, and just wondering where it's going to go that's amazing a few other stories to touch on from the sale before i I let you go this morning i was very impressed by the average price coming back on these uh, run happies and i wanted to ask you uh, if you've had a chance to clap eyes on many of those and if the the run happy success at the sale has been a surprise to you if it was one of those storylines you were anticipating coming in I think it's been a little bit of a surprise, but I didn't have, I I will preface this by saying I didn't have many expectations because I hadn't seen many run happy yearlings before coming in on Friday and then taking a look at the different consignments and the different run happies. Um, My first impression when I started to see these yearlings on the sales ground, I was shocked at how beautiful i mean run happy was a beautiful horse himself but he's really stamping his progeny in terms of the physical presence that they have and then on top of that i mean when you go around and you look at the american pharaohs um one thing that stands out to me is the mind uh american pharaoh just had an incredible amount of intelligence and uh a mind and you know his demeanor his composure and I'm seeing that be the case with a lot of these run happies too. They have a good eye, a good head, and 
um, on top of that, they're just physically beautiful horses. I mean, the, the Airdrie uh, consigned Run Happy, which is the highest Run Happy to sell as a yearling thus far, I went for $700,000 yesterday, and he was gorgeous. I was talking to Bloodstock agent Jacob West, who bought the Run Happy for uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lowe, and he said, pedigree is obviously very important, but when you're talking about stallions who have first crop yearlings go through the sale, obviously you have to weigh a little bit heavy on the physical um, and, and the mind. And he said, you know, this horse was one of the best looking horses that he's seen on the sales ground this year. So um, if Jacob West is saying that, <laughs> then I believe him. And to my eye, he was a beautiful, beautiful looking horse. But um, in terms of the average, you know, we saw a couple go for over 400000 yesterday. And overall, I think they've been really, really well with, received. So, you know, I think everybody's got to be very happy with how he's being received so far as a, a first-year stallion with yearlings. We're going to have Jacob West on the show in a few minutes, so we'll, that gives us some good there stuff. We go. to, yeah, we'll follow up with him <laughs> and talk about that one and the rest of the work he's been doing down there. Gabby, before I let you get out of here, I just wanted to get your overall impression of this Keeneland Select sale. It's just been pretty incredible. This has been the first uh, September sale that I have ever covered, and it's been great to go back to the different consignments and get to chat with the consigners and the breeding farms and even the bloodstock agents and everybody that you know does their part in making all of this happen it's incredible to just go back and talk to certain people. And, you know, this is, we talk about the racing side of the industry and how much hard work and effort from a lot of different people it takes to get one horse into the starting gate. And it's the same case with the, the consignments and the farms, um, how much work goes into this day in and day out for years to get a horse to go through the sales pavilion. Um, so it's just that dedication that's been pretty incredible to, um, to, to witness and learn about. And a perfect case in point is Leon Hamilton. He's a, a farm manager for Ashview. And I spoke with him. He's been the farm manager for 38 years. Uh, he's the handler uh, for, he actually helped raise Run Happy. And he helped sell uh, one of Run Happy's progenies too. So it's crazy to see that come full circle to, to him. But that's just one of so many people um, that make it all happen. So been fun to hear stories and follow these along and i don't think i'll ever forget that moment where we saw 8.2 million dollars for the leslie's lady philly so it's been a lot of fun very cool it's a family affair both on the bloodstock side and the human side and it's amazing to see the the generations and the interconnections and it's been great to have you here on the show chatting about it today gabby in a couple of weeks we'll bother you to come on here and give us some winners once the keeneland meet starts how does that sound Let's do it. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> thank you, Gabby Gaudette. And thank you, Pete. Always nice to uh, catch up with you. Cheers. And now I'd like to welcome to the In the Ring Pedigree podcast the president of Jacob West Bloodstock, Jacob West. How are you, my man? I'm good, sir. How are you? 
Things are excellent. Really enjoying watching this Keeneland sale from afar. Wish I could be down there. We'll get a chance to be out at Keeneland for opening weekend, which I'm looking forward to. But I want your perspective as somebody who's not just been at this Keeneland sale, but who's been uh, an active participant. We just, in fact, had Gabby Gaudette on the airwaves talking about one uh, that you were involved with from this week. Want to get your take on that one and what's been going on in general for you at Keeneland? You know, it's just been a busy sale. Um, book one uh, has just been full of top prospects. Um, shopping book two right now, as we speak, um, you know, you're you're still seeing that, that big athletic horse that, you know, everybody's going to fall in love with. So I would, I would expect the momentum to carry over, but book one was extremely busy. Um, I mean, it was a fire fight for, you know, <laughs> all the top quality horses, and uh, I was lucky to land a few out of there. Well, let's talk about some of the some of the ones that you were involved in. Uh, what's, for you, what's the high point so far? You know, we bought uh, a curling colt uh, off of Glenwood Farm uh, for Mr. and Mrs. Lowe. You know, he was a high-ticket item, um, million two for him. Um, but he was exactly kind of what – what we try to target and uh, for their operation and, and try to find those big classic distance colts. Um, then the second horse that we bought was the run happy colt uh, off of Airdrie uh, out of Miss Cornstalk. Uh, and again, another high ticket item, but he was, he was one that, you know, both of the horses I can, I can tell you definitively that the second we laid eyes on him, we were, you know, smitten and uh, ready to, ready to go to war for him. Um, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lowe, stepped up to the plate in, in a big way and for both of them and uh, couldn't be happier to, to land both of them. How is it different and how is it similar when you're looking to purchase uh, a Colt or a Philly by a proven sire such as Curlin rather than a, a first-year sire such as Run Happy? How, do, how, does that, how is it the same and how is it different? You know, like, um, for me – like I, I mean, I got my famous kind of quote that you know I stole off Wayne Lucas. You don't put the saddle on the pedigree. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you got to put the saddle on the individual, and it's that's the way I feel. You know, you got to buy the athlete first, and then the second the 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 pedigree is going to give you a gauge of what the price is going to be. Is the way I kind of view it. So then, you know, the Curlin Colt. We knew he was going to be expensive, um, but because Curlin, it just seems like you can lead one in there by Curlin, and it's going to bring just a ton of money right now. Um, but he justifies that. I mean, his, the results on the racetrack have been nothing short of amazing that that stallion's been able to do. And this, you know, this cold came from a deep family, you know, half to Motown. But the run happy cold, you know, I had somebody say to me earlier, you know, oh my God, that was a lot of money to get for an unproven horse, but. The way I kind of viewed it is that's 50% of the equation. You know, being out of Miss Cornstalk, the dam of two champions, uh, and then with the three-year-old Indian Pride on the track, you know, who won off the screen at Saratoga and arguably one of the most talented uh, or one of the most impressive, you know, maiden wins up there this year, I, I think it's, a, you know, the mare's as proven as there could possibly be. I mean, she wasn't bred to tap it or Warfront or Medaglia. You know, she had a champion by... Uh, you know, storm and fever, and another one by an off stallion. You know, for uh, for Airdrie, and you know she's got a filly that looks like a freak by a uh, proud citizen. So I mean, she's she hasn't been bred to the to the cream of the crop, um, and she just throws runner after runner after runner. So to me, it was you know when you kind of 
looked at that physical and you saw him and then you looked at the page and you saw what that mare was able to produce. It was a perfect blend and, and it was easy to get excited about. So I didn't view it as like, oh, this is an unproven stallion and I can't go in there and give a lot of money for him. I viewed it as this is a hell of an athlete with a hell of a pedigree from the female side and his father was an incredible racehorse. So let's, uh, let's throw it all into the pot and let's, I think it just equaled 700,000. So <laughs> it was good. <laughs> I imagine the momentum around run happy and the fact that there's been a lot of praise of what those babies look like and, and what seems to be between their ears and the, the average sale price. I mean, that, that probably didn't hurt either. It, it doesn't feel like you're taking a, as much of a leap into a pool where there might not be water when you have all this other anecdotal evidence about what's going on on that side of the pedigree. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the whole uh, thoroughbred industry is part, partially brainwashed by uh, uh, Mattress Mac and all the advertising <laughs> that he's doing uh, with his horse, but it seems to be working working and paying off to some degree. Uh, but listen, he's the reason why you can market a horse like that uh, as much as Mattress Mac is able to do is because he was such an incredible horse. Um, you know, if he was just a run-of-the-mill stallion, you wouldn't be seeing you know him support him like this. I mean, but it just shows a lot of how much he believes in the horse and he's obviously willing to put his own money behind him and uh and we're all here and i think you know if you believe as much as a tenth of, of as much as he does then you uh you're excited to buy one of these run happies let's talk about what's been happening with you on the racetrack any updates uh from from any of the runners you're you're associated with that you feel like sharing with us today yeah, sweet Melania. She ran a, a bang up second uh, in the in the PG Johnson Stakes up there at Saratoga uh, for Mr. and Mrs. Lowe. Um, you know, we we we're letting the master Todd Pletcher decide what her next move is, uh, whether we want to try to go to a, a stake or you know potentially potentially knock on wood as I'm standing next to this tree. You know, <laughs> the Breeders' Cup with the, keeping the Breeders' Cup in mind. Um, you know, it's something like that, but. She ran a very good race. She got kind of headed there uh, inside the last kind of 20 yards and, you know, got lost by a neck. Um, but she ran a very, very good race. Uh, with Eclipse Thoroughbreds, we had a filly named Sharing, um, Broker Maiden, very impressively up there, TDM Rising Star. Um, and we'll be looking to run her back in a stake next for Grand Motion with Grand Motion. And, uh, yeah, it, it's been exciting, but. I feel like we kind of take a the, the racing almost kind of takes a little bit of a backseat when these sales are going on like this, and you got to wake up every day and get to the grind. But when you have horses run like that, it keeps it's what keeps you going and keeps you motivated. How much were you able to be up in Saratoga this year? How was your you know how was your experience uh, th- throughout the meet? It's you know spend as much time as I can up there. Obviously, I love Saratoga. The racing, the the nightlife, the the food, the restaurants, the your friends and everybody around it's so much fun up there so i was up there quite a bit um you know it was i love to go to the racetrack during the week there and, and wear casual clothes and then i it doesn't bother me to get dressed up and go over with the suit and the tie on for the stakes on the weekend um but i love it up there and i get to spend quite a bit of time up there but it's every day up there it's like christmas you know you get to wake up early and go watch the, you know, the top horses in the world, arguably train and, you know, basically in your backyard and then go to the races in the afternoon and watch them run. So uh, I love being up there. It's such a great town. Uh, I look forward to it every year. I love the noises in the background, by the way, talk about authenticity. <laughs> Who is that making a racket? <laughs> exactly. We got the, uh, there's, I'm standing outside of Archie St. George's uh, consignment right now. I mean, it's just, 
I tell you what, man, it's as busy as it's been, you know, in my lifetime of working these sales with, you know, with the, with the amount of buyers here, you know, looking and shopping. Um, I mean, I, I heard somebody say the other day, if every human being that was walking these sales grounds ended up buying a horse, uh, it would end up being a hell of a sale. And I, I think there's a lot of truth to that because there's so many people here and these horses are, you know, asked to do so much in such a short amount of time, but you know, we, uh, we get them to come out here and show and some of them handle it like professionals and some of them not so much, but, uh, yeah, it's totally, totally mayhem around here right now at Keeneland book two. I'll let you get back to work in a minute, but I just wanted a little snapshot of what your days at the sale are like at this point. I mean, how many horses are you still looking at? Do you have a, a pretty full game plan? Are you still scrambling and working actively? Just a little snapshot of what a, a day in Jacob West's life is like at this point. I'd love to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's wake up early, you know, get a get a big breakfast in your belly, um, plenty of coffee, and uh, put your head down and go to work. And, I mean, uh, I try to cover as much ground as I possibly can. It's hard to do. I think everybody would admit, you know, with everybody out here kind of fighting for the show rings and the show spots and the horses and stuff. But as long as you're able to keep your head down and go to work and, and keep grinding and not eat a big lunch and slow yourself down or not get caught up with, getting on phone calls for podcasts, um, you know, <laughs> you, you, can, you can cover a lot of ground in a day, but no, it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, if you, if you, if you come out here and get to, if, if you get to do what I do for a living and you complain about it, you need to go find another job. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's uh, you know, I'm blessed and I'm lucky all, all at the same time. And uh, I enjoy it. And uh, It's a process and it's a grind, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything else. So. You project not to be, afraid of a little bit of the hard work. You project to be pretty busy the next few days. I'm intuiting. I would hope so. I would <laughs> hope so. But listen, man, it's 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 a fight. It's a you know if if Saratoga and Book One were any indicators, you know the quality animals, you got to be ready to roll up your sleeves and and go to work and and do some, and get in there and fight for what you want. But I would hope that we will be. All right. Thank you so much, Jacob West. We will check in with you again soon, and we really appreciate your time in this crazy busy week. No, I really appreciate you guys uh, doing what you do and keep spreading the good word on this industry. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. You guys are awesome. Uh, you're the best. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, man. See you. And that's going to do it for this edition of the In the Ring Pedigree Podcast. Thank you so much to today's guests, Gabby Gaudette and Jacob West, J.K. will be back soon. Sean Tugel will be back soon. So today I got to have a, a little solo voyage interviewing guests, and uh, the guests I had made it so easy. So extra thanks to them. I also want to thank all of you, the listeners, for keeping the feedback coming. We really appreciate it and are looking forward to keeping this show rocking and rolling as we get through the rest of 2019 and the Breeders' Cup and turn the calendar to 2020. Thank you for your continued support. May ask a small favor of you soon in the form of filling out a survey to help us secure some uh, sponsorships slash partnerships to keep this show rolling as we move forward. And that's going to do it. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. In The Money Media's business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May the hammer drop your way. <laughs>